Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. God has promised us victory, but it's only gained as we follow His instructions and game plan. Today we'll see how Joshua obeyed God's commandments and pursued the enemy and thoroughly destroyed them and even went on to fight the giants in the land. part three of Cheryl's message titled Effective Warfare. The first thing you do is panic. Or when your husband comes in and says, don't be afraid. You're like, okay, now I'm afraid. I wasn't before I was living a very happy life. I was drinking my coffee. It was great. But you came in, you said, don't be afraid. So now I know there's cause for fear. And you're about to tell me the cause for fear. You know, and right away I'm like, is it the IRS? Is it, you know, what's the cause? Because there's a cause for fear whenever someone says, don't be afraid. But when God says, don't be afraid, and he's already given you the victory over the kings of the south because he fought the battle, because he threw down the hailstones, because he routed the enemy. And God is now saying, do not be afraid. With this word, there's an enablement and an encouragement and the power not to be afraid. Don't you love it? I love it when God speaks peace to the Galilee. It's all full of churning and waves breaking, but Jesus says, peace. Peace where there is no peace. Peace where there's a deficiency of peace. He speaks his peace into it and the waves calm and the wind ceases. He speaks it into the situation and there is peace. When God looked at the darkness and said, let there be light, he spoke light into the deficit where there was no light and there's light. So when God says, do not fear, he is speaking courage into the fear and the fear has to leave because God is speaking his word in and there's no room. And he says, do not be afraid. This word also contains a promise. And I love that this promise has a time element, tomorrow. Oh, Lord, thank you for tomorrow. Do you realize that God has limited the power of the enemy, the scope of the enemy, and the time of the enemy? You know, they can get together and they can look really strong, but there is a time limit to the enemy. I was just reading in my personal devotions, Revelation chapter 19 this morning. And I love it when all of a sudden the heavens open and there's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on his white steed and on his thigh 
is written, you know, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is faithful and true, and in righteousness he wages war. Oh, he's the only one that can rage war in righteousness. And his robe looks like it's dipped in blood because he has survived the wrath of God and the wrath of man. He is the ultimate conqueror over life and death. This, this is the time element. In chapter 19, it's like time's up. Time's up for the, for the forces of evil. Time's up. It's over. Jesus speaks. The army falls back. They're consumed. The Antichrist, the beast, and the serpent are captured. You got to get to chapter 20. Then they're thrown into the pit. That part, I can't wait. That's tomorrow. There's God's involvement, his promise. I will deliver. Joshua, it's not predicated on you. It's not up to you. You don't have to be super strong because I know you're already 120 years old. It's not up to you. It's not about your strength, Joshua. It's not about your courage. It's simply about me and my promises. I will deliver. And Joshua would no doubt remember that the kings of the south, God made the same promise. And what happened? Again, the enemy was routed. The enemy was defeated. And then here's an instruction. You shall hamstring all their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Joshua has all he needs for victory against this huge horde. He's got God's word. He's got God's instructions. He's got God's involvement. In verses in 7, 8, we see the battle that Joshua goes on the orders of the Lord. He attacks suddenly. God's got a time element. Attack now. You see, before the enemy can throw his punch, Joshua goes forward. Joshua goes forward. They're all aligned in battle array. But it's Joshua that goes forward. He doesn't stand and wait for the enemy to fight, for the enemy to come at him. He goes forward. He runs at the enemy, just like David ran at Goliath with his sling. He goes forward. You see, sometimes we're just hiding and we're just waiting for the enemy to hit us. And the Lord is calling us to go forward with him, go forward with the gospel. He comes upon the enemy suddenly with the army of Israel. And we're told that the Lord delivered the enemy into the hand of Israel. And Israel ended up chasing the enemy to the brook of Mezrephoth and the valley of Mizpah. And they left none remaining. They're chasing down the chariots. They're chasing down the cavalry. You know, see, my mouth is so changed just to say Calvary. I pray for Calvary Chapel, every prayer, Calvary, Calvary. So when I have to say cavalry, throws me. But he chases them down and he does not stop short. We read about his obedience. He hamstrings the horses and burns the chariots. Now for those who are going, he hamstrings the horses. And I know you're out there. What he did is he they probably sliced the hamstring, but it did not kill the horses. It maimed them so they could only be used for agricultural purposes. They can still be ridden. They can still go to those wonderful horse farms. They can still be used for, um, you know, um, making more horses, (laughs) but they could not, they could no longer be used 
for warfare. Because you see the natural propensity would be to take those horses and then use them in the next battle and to begin to trust in those horses. Well, we got the horses. <laughs> yeah, well, they might have that, but we got horses. You should see these horses. They're strong. They're invincible. To take those weapons and then begin to trust in the weaponry rather in the Lord. In fact, in Proverbs, it says, when you become rich, do not trust in your riches. How often when we get a little money in the bank account, we start to like, well, I got a savings account. Well, God knows how to deal with those savings accounts, doesn't he? Gives you a couple more bills. No chariots. They were to burn the chariots so that they would not take those chariots and use them, incorporate them into the army of Israel. In fact, you'll see a constant prohibition against chariots. Even when David had the army of Israel, there was not one chariot. He didn't use chariots. Again, it's too easy for Israel to begin to trust in the enemy's weaponry. So God says, burn it, hamstring it, so you won't even be tempted to use it. Because when you begin to trust in anything but the Lord, in any type of weaponry but the Lord, it is a step away from the promises of God. It's a step away from faith in God. It's a step away from victory through God. It is faith in God and his word that brings victory, not faith in the size of our army, the strategy of our army. And, you know, as strategy, sometimes it will be our ways, our lecture, our intelligence, our advantage. I mean, how many times have you thought, oh, when I tell the person this speech, you ever write speeches? I do. Or when I send them this letter or I send them this email and we write these perfectly eloquent letters and we get back something that is just like, you know, mean. We wrote this nice rebuke, just telling them how low they were and how they needed to repent. And then they write us these things like, shut up. And you're like, what? How dare you? Mine was in such love. Um, we often think that that thing that we say, as women, we fight with our words, don't we? We say mean words. And, uh, and sometimes we say mean things so nicely wow, your makeup looks so good today because you've got an ugly face. I'm so glad you covered it well with that makeup. You're, you're definitely good at painting. You know what I mean? Backward compliments. I had a woman say to me, you looked so nice last Tuesday. Oh no, there's Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday. And you don't look so good on those days, but Tuesdays, that's your day. That's not how we fight. It's not what we do. And don't try to use that one. You look so good on Friday. <laughs> but we women, we often use our words. You know, I found one of, oh, a favorite word of mine. And I don't know why, but it seems to carry so much power. And I used to use it. I stopped using it because God told me I had to. But I love the word jerk. I don't know. There's something so powerful about saying, you jerk. You know, you beef jerky, it just feels so good, jerk. You know, your husband's driving, you're like, jerk. They do, they jerk then, just to prove that you were right, jerk. And you know, just like, oh, you jerk. You know, somebody's 
driving erratically. I'm like, Jack, it's like right there. You want, don't you? Yes, I love that word. <laughs> and we women, we use these words. And you know, if our husband said that to us, we'd be like, on February 21st, 2018, at 2.03 in the afternoon, you said jerk. You know, we, we remember, we store it up. And we're like, they're like, do you know how many times you've said that to me? I just say that word, it just comes out of my mouth, but I didn't mean it, you meant it. You know, aren't we? Seriously? Come on, I'm not alone in this. But we use words. That's how we fight. And you know, we're hurting so many people with our words. And God says, I don't want any corrupt communication to come out of your mouth. Corrupt, that word corrupt doesn't just mean, you know, naughty words. It means any words that makes the person you're talking to feel less than. I don't want you to make anyone feel less than. Oh my goodness. That's how I fight my best. I just make everyone feel a lot less than me. And, and God says, no. No more condemning ugly words. I want you to say things only that build up people, that edify people, that let them know that there's a God that loves them. We don't fight like the world fights. We are not to fight with mean words. Their weapons were chariots, and the world's weapon are mean words. Mean. They say things that are so low, that are so ugly. They mock. The world mocks. That's one of their weapons. They mock. And oh, we want to mock sometimes. We want to belittle. We want to mock. And like, <laughs> and God says, mm -mm 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 -mm. don't do that. That's what they do. That's not what my children do. It's not what my daughters do. It is not about how many battles we have fought and won. It is about the battle we're in and how we fight. Are we fighting by the word of the Lord? by the favor of the Lord, by faith in that word. Joshua burned Hazor with fire. He took down the stronghold in verse 10. And how did he do it? He did it by faith in the Lord, by following God's instruction, because this, it's through obedience that strongholds are brought down. And then he took all the cities and completely overthrew them. He utterly destroyed them as Moses instructed. Again, he continues in thorough obedience to the Lord. Verse 15, he left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded him. Joshua completely followed the Lord's instructions. Now, here's the difference between men and women, just real quick. Women, we like instruction manuals. Well, most of you. Some of you don't. You just look at the pictures, just like men. I'm one of those people. I have to read the whole instruction manual before I say, Brian, help me build this furniture. And then I like to tell him what to do. It's so fun. It's about the only time he like thoroughly obeys me. Like, what comes next? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because the manual says... But you know, if you don't follow the instructions, 
that furniture is not going to turn out like you saw it on the display floor. You have to follow the instructions. So God has the instruction manual for victory. He tells us how the long term, the great victory is won. And it's only as we follow his instructions, his instructions that we can expect to see the promise fulfilled, what we saw on the display floor. Joshua does not rest on the laurels of victory. He pursues the enemy, verse 16. He takes down the kings, verse 17. He wages a long time war against the enemy, verse 18. He will not let the enemy go. He will continually fight against the enemy until he is destroyed. Once the enemy is destroyed, Joshua goes after the giants. Oh my goodness, this battle never ends while we're on earth. You know, we fight the big forces, but then we've got to thoroughly take the victory according to the Lord's instructions. We're on the offense. We're taking down the strongholds by obedience, by taking every thought into the captivity of Jesus Christ. And then we go after the giants. Oh my goodness. Verse 21 and 22, these are the giants that intimidated their fathers from taking the land. These are the giants. And God declares a continual war against the enemy. God has purposes for his instructions, for doing it his way. One, he knows the future. He knows the future. He knows what will bring victory and what will sabotage victory. He knows the enemy. He knows that the enemy will not be stopped by our carnal weapons. He knows that the enemy plans on regrouping and attacking again. He knows the hardness of their heart and their inability to change their desire for destruction. He knew Gibeon would repent and they were spared. But he knew the hardness of the hearts of the other Canaanites, verse 20. He knows who will respond to mercy like Rahab and the Gibeonites and who will never respond to mercy. He also knows our natural propensities that we tend to rely on horses and chariots. But he knows what he intends to do for us, that he intends to give us the land. He intends to give us the strongholds, and to remove and drive out the giants from our life so that they are no longer an intimidating force. These giants were driven to Gaza. Gaza is where Goliath and his brothers lived. They were the last of Anak, the last of the remnants of the giants. And David and then David's men took them out completely. First, the Lord drove them to Gaza. And then through David, he completely wiped them out. For Samuel 17, God knows that he wants to give us the spoils of the enemy. There's a scripture in Proverbs 13, 22, and it says, The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The wealth of this sinner stored up for the righteous. There's another scripture um, in Genesis 50 
where Joseph says to his brothers, you intended it for evil, but God used it for good, that he might bring about things as they are today. And there's another scripture in the Psalms that says, God uses even the wrath of man, even the wrath of man. God uses this federation of all these nations to give Joshua all the land, to give the children of Israel all the land, all the promises. It's just like a one big fight. And then it's just lesser fights, fights that are already won, fights that are already guaranteed. But he uses it to give Israel all the land, to give them all the good things he's promised, to give them the territory of the enemy. God uses the plans of the enemy, the strategy of the enemy against him. Think about it. Haman was hung on his own gallows. Pharaoh ordered that all the children be drowned in the Nile River. And God drowned the army of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. You see, God turns it around and uses the weapons of the enemy against them that he might give us the territory, that he might give us the good things that he's promised. All of these things only work together in God's purposes. But we as his people need to fight effectively. The warfare that wins the promises of God, that takes the land, that drives out the enemy and enjoys and settles into the promises of God is the warfare that refuses to be intimidated by the size and weapons of the enemy, that refuses to imitate the strategies of the enemy that refuses to use the weapons of the enemy or to rely on past experience or past glory. Effective warfare listens to the word of God, obeys the instructions of God, relies on the weapons of God and looks to God's power and God's presence for victory. Lastly, let me remind you once more, God is absolutely 100% committed to his promises. And he's committed to bringing you into everything that he's promised. He has already given you everything you need to win to claim, to settle into the promises. It doesn't matter how strong the enemy is or what their size or what their weaponry or what their strategy is. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is stronger. He is greater. He is more powerful. Again, referring to Revelation because I've been in there this week. When Jesus comes against the enemy. He comes as a lamb. I love that. He faces off the Antichrist as the lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. He doesn't come as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He doesn't roar. He's the lamb that speaks 
and they're slain. Jesus is so powerful. The armies of heaven are with him on white steed clothed in the finest white linen. But he doesn't need the armies of heaven. He only needs his word and the battle is over and he's won. You have that powerful word of God with you right now to win effectively the promises of God and to settle into them. God fights for you as you obey his word. God is absolutely 100% committed to his promises and he's committed to bringing us into everything that he's promised. He's given us everything we need for success. It doesn't matter how strong the enemy is or their size or weaponry. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is stronger, greater, and more powerful than anything that could come against us. We have his promise and his word which fights for us as we obey it. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the miracle of grace as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.